The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. Football Frenzy is here. 4 O'Clock Hour is here. We continue our countdown of the Cofield & Company NFL Power Rankings. We're up to... Number 30, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, and one of the guys who covers the Jags works the sidelines, also does radio for 1010XL in Jacksonville, is Rick Ballou. So right out of the gates, Rick, give me your feeling on the early returns from Urban Meyer. Honestly, I'm blown away. He has been completely transparent. He's been much better than I remember him when he was at the University of Florida. Obviously, that's going back quite a few years, but you know, he just seems to, no matter what questions are asked, uh, nothing is canned. There's no lip service. He's he's honest about everything, including just about a half hour ago. He came out and stated that, um, you know, he has taken uh, the vaccination. He, he wishes that his team, all his team, would go ahead and, uh, and get the vaccine, although he said he's not going to pressure anyone. He respects their own personal decision. As a football team right now, the Jags, more than 80% of the roster has um, – you know, gotten the vaccine. So that's a good thing. But just to listen to what he says, whenever we get an opportunity to speak with him, he's a lot more thorough than he used to be. So I think he's off to a real good start here. You know, on the vac stuff, do you find it weird that so many of the coaches have been kind of secretive about it? I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a difficult topic because, you know, it's a, it's a political one. It could be a religious one. And, you know, I also think the way that sports has changed that it's not so much for some of these guys, and I'm not saying specifically in Jacksonville. I'm just thinking of athletes in general. I think a lot of it is it's not whether or not they believe in the vaccine or they don't believe in the vaccine. I think it's they don't want to be told what they have to do. Right. And I think that's a, a real big part of all this. So, again, uh, as I said at the top, Urban Meyer – has um, been incredibly transparent, and he wasn't going to leave it out there for us to guess. He did say that he believes in the vaccine. He did a deep dive on it and really researched it with his doctor and others, and he believes uh, that, you know, everyone else should be able to uh, do what they feel is best, but he's certainly for it. We preview the uh, Jaguars today with a guy who works the sidelines, does a show uh, every night on uh, 1010XL. It's Rick Ballou. Um, interesting on uh, ESPN's list of most pressing questions for each team. I don't think this is the most pressing, but it's definitely low-hanging fruit. Their question was, will Trevor Lawrence surpass 4,000 yards? Can he threaten Justin Herbert's record of 31 touchdown passes for rookies? What do you think? I hope not, because I want <laughs> this to be a balanced offense. I mean, you've got James Robinson, more than 1,000 yards last year in 14 games. you got a guy who looked electrifying again today in Travis Etienne that can do a number of different things for you. And, you know, Carlos Hyde is a guy that surprised us all when Urban brought him back, but he may be good for five or six carries a game. Uh, you go back to their run, the AFC Championship game through uh, 2017, they had 527 pass attempts, 527 rushing attempts. Last year it went like 616 to just over 300 pass to rush. So, yeah, those are gaudy numbers. But I also believe, and all you got to do is look at Justin Herbert and his record last year. If if Trevor Lawrence is doing that, that's a lot of second-half yards when they're trailing by a couple of touchdowns. So, yeah, you're putting up the numbers, but are you winning games? So I would play the under on those if you think the Jaguars can go out and win some football games. 
Did you like the selection of Travis Etienne? A lot of people thought, hey, first-round pick, let's help the defense. I was surprised. I, I really was. I, I thought they would go with a, a true wide receiver if, in fact, that was going to be the play or, or perhaps uh, an offensive lineman, but they did get Walker Little in the second round. You know, I met with Dabo Sweeney last week in Charlotte at the Atlantic Coast Conference meetings, and uh, he really enjoyed the conversation with us here in Jacksonville because he was answering all the same questions, <laughs> and when he got to us – you know, it was all about Travis Etienne. It was all about Trevor Lawrence. And uh, th- this guy is a one-on-one nightmare. Uh, Shaq Griffin today spoke on it, uh, newly acquired uh, defensive back as a free agent by the Jaguars. You get him out into open space, and he is going to make people miss. I think the big story around here is, does he take carries away from James Robinson, who as well looks like he's in real good shape to begin camp? Urban Meyer, you know, whether it was Percy Harvin or whatever the case was, uh, Curtis Samuel, he's always had that home run hitter, a guy that can score from anywhere in the football field. And James Robinson's not that guy. Travis Etienne is. So some people around here think when it's all said and done, he'll be the guy who gets the majority of the carries. I think they're going to use him all over, pass catching. He's got three years of work with Trevor Lawrence. You go back and look at those numbers. Uh, the pass receptions increased each and every year. So I think he's going to be a guy who does an awful lot here for the team, including scoring touchdowns. I'm going to give the pick right now a, a solid grade until we see differently. Rick Ballou covers the Jaguars. He does radio in Jacksonville on 1010XL as we're counting down our uh, Cofield & Company NFL rankings, 32-1. to 1. We have the Jaguars way down there at – Number 30, all right, we uh, went about five minutes into the interview. i got to ask, uh, is there a chance that a 250-pounder will get some carries and be a utility guy? What's going to happen with Tebow? And is it a long shot that he's going to make it just as a tight end? Yeah, I believe it is a long shot that he's going to make the team. I, I've been saying all along here on my show that I think he's cut. And then with the, you know, the practice squad rules uh, remaining the same last year during COVID where you can play 16 guys – there, I, I think he's a practice squad guy, and I would not be surprised at all if he's called up on a couple of Sundays and he plays during a game. Got to say this, he had a real good practice uh, today. He, mm. he caught about a 20-yard route uh, from Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence threw a cannon. Tebow showed nice hands and ran it. Seems like everything else that he's done so far, whether it's been OTAs, minicamp, or early in training camp, was more of the short variety as far as this route tree, but he looked impressive today. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, will he get carries in the backfield? Who knows? Daryl Bevel now is a, a well-seasoned offensive coordinator, and Brian Schottenheimer is the uh, passing coordinator. They, they have a lot of weapons to work here with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that's an interesting question. You know, right now I'll say no, that's not going to happen, but – he is the favorite son here in Jacksonville. Just imagine a situation where, you know, you're at goal line and you hand him the Brock and he scores a one-yard touchdown. <laughs> this place would go absolutely crazy. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, let's talk defense, Rick Ballou. Uh First of all, they're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Do they have the personnel to make the switch? Biggest concern I have with this football team right now is who's going to get to the quarterback. They only had 18 sacks a year ago. It was abysmal. Their best player on the defensive line, Josh Allen, was unable to give it a go. Uh, The 3-4 look is going to be intriguing because both him and, 
you know, you look at what Kay LeVon Chason did at LSU, they, they both dropped in coverage a great deal at Kentucky and LSU, respectively. So it almost was like they were out of position, particularly Chase on this past year. So much more freedom to move around. You know, Joe Cullen was here uh, a while back before he went off to Baltimore. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how, in fact, they move things around with great athletes, a guy like Miles Jack. Uh, but I think that's the biggest problem for this football team is who's going to get to the quarterback. I mean, last year, teams just ran it right down their throat. They gave up 153.3 yards a game against the run. I do believe they're better there with Ray Robertson Harris, with Malkin Brown, uh, this year's draft class. I think they will be a better run stuffing D. Uh, Rick Blue's yep. with us. We're previewing the Jaguars. Back to the offense for a second. They're going to keep Minshew around? I would think there'd be a market, and they're not going to get a whole lot back for backup quarterback. Someone's going to need a backup quarterback. Minshew is a third stringer. He's a third quarterback, really? No, I think he's the second guy. I mean, they oh, gave $3 million to C.J. Beathard. He, he doesn't look nearly as good as Gardner Minshew. I thought Minshew had another strong day today. Um, Mike is a guy who's getting ready for his third year. You know, how great of a teammate would he be? Um, you bring in Trevor Lawrence, the top pick. He's the, you know, generational pick who can change this franchise. How's Gardner Minshew going to like that? But he, it appears that he's doing it and he's saying all the right things. Um, I thought that perhaps they would move him during the draft. I mean, he's a bargain. You're talking about a third-year guy on a sixth-round yeah. rookie contract. He, he's, pay, he's playing for less than $1 million. I think what it comes down to now will be, does anyone get hurt during training camp? If a quarterback goes down, then all of a sudden the value will really increase in Gardner Minshew, and therefore the Jags could probably get a better pick. I don't know what they could fetch. Uh, I'm saying maybe a fourth rounder if a, if a starter went down or something along those lines. But, you know, today, in early on in camp, um, Urban Meyer has not gone strictly with Trevor Lawrence with the first string. It has been a rotation of both Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, at least to this point. By the way, where's the state of Florida right now on sports gambling? You know, uh, it, it's, it's getting bigger. It's getting better. They put casinos in, I believe, in Tampa. I believe they have something in Miami. I know we have a big poker room here in Jacksonville. You're not allowed to legally, you know, bet on um, on on sports, uh, sporting events here in Jacksonville. But, you know, everything I hear is that it, it's getting closer. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two you see it here. So where are we going with the Jaguars? Over under six and a half wins. It's right on it. I try to get it at six. Um, the last time I did the schedule was about a month ago. I had them at seven and ten. That may have been a tiny bit kind. Uh, we'll see how camp goes here, but that number is right on it. I don't know if I would play six and a half over. Six and a half for me is scary. I, I would leave that alone. Week one, are you laying three with the Jaguars taking on the Texans? Are the Texans that bad? You know, it was interesting. Deshaun Watson practiced today. Uh, I spoke with a couple of, uh, of folks, James Palmer with the NFL Network, who was uh, also on cue with what was going on in Houston, and I'm, I'm very well connected with the media there. It, it's really bizarre. I, I like them to get out of there with, let's say, a you know, a one-point victory. Yeah, right now, I, I'm hedging my bet towards Jacksonville being able to go out there and get a W. All right, good deal. Rick, glad you're doing well. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Have a great one.
There he is, Rick Ballou, Jacksonville radio host on 1010XL. Caleb Herring is on the way. The former UNLV quarterback will tell us what he thinks of the addition of Tate Martell to the UNLV football roster. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company. I really do feel bad rooting against these two teams, women's soccer and men's basketball, but I don't know. I'm not rooting for them. I'm not either. I side with you. We were absolutely humiliated by France, and honestly, I don't care. Olympic ratings are at a record low, and that's because the American people don't want to root for anyone who doesn't even love America. I get to wake up in your freedom, but sometimes I wonder like everybody's pissing on the red, white, and blue. Happy birthday, America. Whatever's left of you. Very bitter birthday, some three weeks ago, and now people are so mad that you hear a couple of jabronis coming in, rooting against our women's soccer team and rooting against our men's basketball team. I've never rooted for the men's basketball team harder. Well, I always this I always root for them because this has been a recurring theme since I've been in sports radio going back to the early 2000s. It may not be as uh, brash and obnoxious as those two are, but. It's always been out there. Uh, USA got it done last night, 120 to 66. Take that a Exactly. Think about that. Would those two people come on and go, you know, I was rooting for Iran last night. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what? They probably would. That's the way that those basketball players urinated on the name of America. Unreal. Caleb Herring is with us. He's a good American. He roots for the men's team. Right, Caleb? <laughs> Absolutely. So much melancholy from these people. It's like, my I, I goodness. Know. Loving America doesn't mean you know you don't you don't criticize it or critique it. My gosh, nope. If 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 you if you take it you know that serious that you're gonna root against them on the Olympic stage, that's just as un-American in my opinion. If you're gonna you know point out who's being un-American, you're actively rooting against. They're actually playing for. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, us. people are so radical. Mm. All right, well, let's get to the big news, uh, Caleb Herring, uh, around UNLV football. Um, I'm not going to say shocking because it was rumored, but it's a very interesting move. Uh, we'll talk about the player first, and then we'll talk about the move by uh, UNLV's football program. What do you think of Tate Martell coming back, coming back to Vegas, walking on at UNLV? And he had some pretty interesting things to say. First off, Tate Martell, dynamic football player. On the field, uh, no question, talented. Speed, athleticism, uh, instinct for the game, quarterback-wise, a live arm, a good arm. Um, and a good, you know, presence about himself. You know, the last time we really saw him play in crucial minutes, I guess, was really in high school. But he, he did get some playing time at Ohio State, uh, through, through a touchdown pass and had another rushing one and um, also had some time at, at Miami. So the two places he's, he's been at, he's taken snaps, not very many. Um, but still, nonetheless, a very dynamic football player um, and a talent that I think, uh, you know, a Mountain West Conference team, any team really, 
Um, but especially in the Mountain West Conference, his talent, I think, would be magnified. Um, obviously, with his accomplishments coming out of Bishop Gorman, familiar to the to the local uh, scene where people are recognizing the name instantly um, from his time at Bishop Gorman, never lost a game at high school here. Um, so uh, his, his talent speaks for itself. I think uh, when you get to Tate Martell, the person, which I don't personally know him, so, but um, you would assume some things about him based on the storylines that have kind of followed him around. Um, you know, there may be some you know, some humbling that has to happen along this way, right? You kind of hope that based on some of the statements he's made uh, about his decision to come to UNLV, that that process is kind of coming full circle where he's he's matured on this path and, and kind of humbled himself to, to appreciate the game and appreciate his talents a little bit more um, than maybe he did previously. But uh, I, I like it as an addition to the team. The roster improves when you add a talent like that, whether it's that quarterback or if you put him out at receiver, um, in my my opinion, I think if you if you're solid, if you feel confident enough in in Broomfield or Rogers to go within that quarterback, I think adding more talent on the field at the same time is 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 better than having you know a kind of a a stockpile of talent at one position. If that was going to be my personal opinion, but recruited or walking on as an athlete from from what we we're hearing, so um, possibly he'll be out to mix in at wide receiver. Possibly, um, I, I know he spent some time at wideout at Miami, so. I like it. I like the addition. I like the improvement to the roster. Yeah, that, that was my question, right? When you look at this, uh, Caleb, because let's you know he mentions that he's walking on and as an as an athlete. I think people would assume that maybe he competes at quarterback, but that's that's I'm assuming he's going to compete at quarterback. That as a quarterback, joining a team on July 26th with the season around the corner, like what is that competition like? What is that prep like for him? Like, does he have a realistic shot at winning this job? Given he is going to be so behind the eight ball with guys who have been there since spring. No, and I, I don't think it's realistic to expect that from somebody, right? To have a, 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 a quarterback or two quarterbacks, really, who've been now a year, basically, a full calendar year of learning the system at some level from, from Coach Arroyo. Um, not, maybe not a master of the playbook like you'd expect them to have, a, you know, season three or four in the playbook, but they know it. They know the plays. They know the concept. They know the language. Um, they kind of know the expectations of the program under Marcus Arroyo. Um, this is – Last year, there was no offseason, right? There was, and we got to see what it's like for a quarterback, a new quarterback to come in with a new playbook and a new system for the Rebels specifically and try to learn that on the fly and basically play handcuff because you're not uh, experiencing the full breadth of a playbook. Um, so if you, can't, if you don't know it, you can't execute it. You can't play it. Um, so for Tate Martell to walk in, I think, this late in the, in, in the game and, and beat out or compete against them would be an injustice to him. Um, and I think it would be saying a lot more importantly about what you think you have at quarterback currently. I think if, if you're as high on Broomfield as you were when you were recruiting him, or if we saw, I think we saw enough of him last year as a freshman to say he's got something in the tank. It would be, I think, uh, kind of panic mode if you felt the need as a head coach to throw Tate Martell in there and really say he's competing for the starting quarterback job, because then that would be saying you don't have the confidence in your guys that know the playbook to, you know, to get it done absent this third guy coming in. So, I, I definitely think, in my opinion, I, I think, yes, probably Tay Martell eventually could be better suited at quarterback and could make a, a bigger impact on the game from the quarterback position, obviously. But I think for the roster purposes, if, if he's on the field as an athlete, I think the grasping the playbook is a little easier as a wide receiver than as a quarterback who has you know to understand all 11 guys as opposed to this receiver kind of honing in on his position. Um, I, I think he benefits more instantly 
going to play receiver if that's you know what he's open to doing which like I said he indicated that he's he's open to be an athlete and come contribute on the team at whatever level he can um I just see it as a, a way to kind of spread the talent out because it's needed all across the board for UNLV Tate Martell a top 10 quarterback recruit from 2017 was the number two overall uh, dual quarterback prospect back then is now with UNLV football. I want you to react to this one, Caleb, and we're talking to Caleb Herring. Uh, on the decision, Mar- uh, Tate Martell said it was Coach Arroyo, getting to know him, how he does things, treats his players, it's first class. While at Ohio State, I saw how winning culture impacts a team, how when a team buys into it, they become more than a team. They are a family, and Coach Arroyo is building that here and building it the right way. Thoughts? I, I mean, I agree. I, this is from my personal experience and conversations I've had with Coach Arroyo. Um it, talking to him and just talking football with him, it makes me want to play football, right? And I, you know, whether it's, it's an act, whether whatever it is, he's got the charisma to get you excited about playing football. And then his knowledge is, becomes apparent as he speaks about football, from the X's and O's standpoint to the philosophical viewpoint of coaching and how to reach and interact with players. He, I think, he gets it, and that's why he's been such a good recruit. Um, I think for his whole career, really, you know, wherever he's gone, recruiting has kind of been his thing. And that's, that's part of it because he, people can talk to him. When you talk to him, you feel that he knows what he's talking about and you can trust him with your football future. So I, I agree with that assessment. It, Arroyo has got to be the leading cause of why a lot of these guys are coming you know, from Pac-12 schools or uh, highly recruited guys out of high school are, are signing on for UNLV. It's part of that culture transformation. And you talk about being a part of winning locker rooms, um, going to Ohio State, some of it's got to rub off on you, right? Seeing the machine that is Ohio State and, and the kind of talent that comes through there and the year-after-year buy-in of the players to something bigger than themselves, to the family concept, I think it's important in any locker room that's going to be successful. There can't be risks. There can't be disagreements. There can't be you know petty squabbles that distract from the goal. Um, everybody has to move on one court. And I think that's, that's a pivotal part of success at this level, um, building that team camaraderie that you hear about you know years after players have retired from the game, uh, that bond that's so important. I think is, is a part of the winning culture that you want to establish. And I would agree that I, from what I've seen, from what I've heard from Coach Roy and the staff on the strength and conditioning team during the summer, I feel like they've done a good job of laying the foundation for what could be a successful program. Um, and that goes with the facilities and all that kind of goes hand in hand with it. So, yeah, I, I buy it. I, I completely buy it. And if that's, if that's what it took to get him here, if that was, was his leading um, factor in decision-making, then, Good for Coach Arroyo. He's doing his job and he's doing his part. And now we get to finally see coming up in a few in a few weeks with, whether or not it's going to pan out right now uh, in terms of wins and losses on the field. Yeah, this will be a fascinating experiment to follow because uh, I think we can say Tate Martell, from a distance, it seems like he's made some knee-jerk reactions. And he's got to come in. He's got to blend in with the team. Uh, he's got to be a team guy. There can't be a whiff of doubt. If he's going to win the trust of his teammates – He's got to be reliable on and off the field. Let's let's build this into a quick discussion about sports and mental health. And you saw Simone Biles uh, bailed out of the team competition. She didn't feel like, uh, and again, I think this was also a regular health issue along with a mental health issue. Um, but let's talk football and team sports. And I know that was a team, but team sports and the quarterback position. Rich Ornberger played in the NFL, is doing San Diego radio, and he said, hypothetical, if Tom Brady stepped off the field after the first quarter of a Super Bowl, after throwing two interceptions and stopped playing to, quote, focus on his mental health, how would that be received? 
how will that be treated by fans and media? And I think we know the answer. You you can give it, but do you get what he's saying here? And are, are we going to start to see football players say, you know what, in the middle of a game, like I, I'm not doing the best for my team. I need to step away. I've got some mental health concerns, or I'm going to have to miss a game or two. Yeah, I, we know what would happen. Tom Brady would be absolutely dismantled by everybody. He would be, you know, called a quitter, and, and his team would probably be upset with him. I'm sure, maybe understanding and sympathetic to some degree. But I think the main, the the, the major focus would be that hey, you gave up in, when it mattered the most, and you know, let your team down when it mattered the most. As the goat, as the best, as the guy that we relied on to come get this job done for us to win this ring, you let us down, and that would be the narrative. And I, I don't think that's an unfair narrative. And I'm, I'm a person who personally believes and advocates for mental health and wellness, not just for athletes, for everybody. I think it's important uh, to distinguish first the difference between mental illness and actual physiological uh, issue with your brain and the way it operates and your mental well-being and how, how you carry yourself and deal with day-to-day stress that we all deal with. Um, and I think that's a, an important distinction to make. First of all, and but everybody has to focus on mental health. And we talked, heard Aaron Rodgers talking about using the off season to, to kind of digest and get away from football and focus on his health mentally. And and it was refreshing for him. Now the difference is there's a time I think for everybody to get their mental health as best they can, whether it's uh, you know meditation in the off season, whatever you got to do. And it goes along with the same vein as physical conditioning. There's a time to get physically in shape. There's a time to get ready for what you know you're going to go through. Uh, and especially when you're talking about Simone Biles in the Olympics, there's just four years to, to really hone in and focus on your craft, what you're about to embark on. And that's a time where I think the mental health aspect should be focused on critically, if you're really, really ready to undergo the pressure of this. Um, I'm not going to blame her for not being, you know, for not handling the mental health or having to step aside or feeling the need to. That's her prerogative. But... In a team sport, and when you're representing something bigger than yourself, you have to acknowledge that you may have let people down uh, in doing so. And, and I, I, in, in recent memory, I can think of other people who have struggled with mental health in similar situations. And I go immediately back to Paul George um, in the bubble. He was himself admitted dealing with mental health issues, and the bubble was impacting him in a different way. But what he did was he showed up and even doing bad efforts and, and trying his hardest but not quite cutting it, he was there for his teammates, and he tried, and he gave it a go because he understood the concept of team and, and being there for his team. So I think, to me personally, there, there's something to a person where, where you're, you're mentally maybe off, but you push through it and you sacrifice you know, in that moment for a, a greater good, a greater concept, which would be the team in that, in that instance. And I, to me, I, like I said, I will never, ever take lightly mental health and its impact on our performance in day-to-day life. But I think there is a, a moment and a time and place to focus on that. And when you're in the trenches and, and competing against other people who are also having their own mental health struggles and, and, and going through, I think uh, perseverance and mental toughness should be, you know, something that we champion as well. And we don't forget about, uh, you know, overcoming adversity and fighting through and pushing through adversity sometimes. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a dicey subject, but I think we, we all understand that there's two different sides to that coin and, I, I, for one, don't want to live in a world where anybody feels uncomfortable. And every time you do feel uncomfortable, your mental health is used as an excuse to give up on something. And not saying that that's what this is, but sometimes that's where narratives can take it. And uh, I, for one, want to live in a world where people are determined and overcome adversity. And that story resonates uh, a lot more broadly with me than, than 
turning around and, and calling it quits when, when things get tough for you mentally. Caleb, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. And, uh, boy, it's going to be a really interesting UNLV season now if uh, Tate Martell makes it to September 2nd and if he's really in competition for the quarterback job. So, fun times on the way. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Super fired up for it. You guys take care. There is Caleb Herring, former quarterback of the Rebels, one of the voices of the Rebels on radio, also a a co-host of the Marcus Arroyo radio show, which will be coming along in just a few weeks right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, We will get into a lot of the reaction around Marc-Andre Fleury. Man, yesterday and last night was unbelievable, maybe even more than I ever expected. People are irate. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. Fat Pack time on a Wednesday. Crank it up. All right, thank you. Uh, I happen to be out at a uh, drinking establishment over the weekend, and one of our good friends, uh, Tony Miller, was there, uh, Golden Nugget, sportsbook director, and he looks at me and he's like, he's like, I cannot find that song that you guys use for the Fat Pack, the Dean Martin song. <laughs> He's like, it's not on the jukebox. I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. The jukebox? What do you call it? I just, I just didn't know jukeboxes were still a thing. They're not? I mean, don't you just have, like, an app that connects to something that you guys can request songs on at the bar? Right, but what is it called? Just a music player? I, mean, I think it would just be an app. Well, there's actually the machine. You can put money in the machine and well, still go up to it and touch it. That's what I'm saying. So is it a machine or is it just like an app? Like, so, for no, example. They, have, they always have a machine there because the oh, machine okay, actually yeah. has speakers on it. But they want to be able to have, you know, the ability. You can go on the app or they want people to feed. I forgot there's an actual juke that is a machine there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. I haven't been for a while. All right. I know it's an old term. I was like, did they come up with a new term? Like MP3? No, there? I just figured like I didn't That's even an realize old term, by the way. There was actually a machine. Yes. So anyway, he couldn't find the music. So. Does it like uh, pull out a record? No, it's all, I think it's all digital now. So okay. there's some old school still left, but they don't have the uh, they don't have the selection. So so that one was Touch Tunes. Get your crap together, Touch Tunes. Dean Martin. Let's go. Vegas song. Let's go. All right, I got a choice for you. This is an interesting one. Uh, we had a horrific food incident with uh, something found in the food, and we've also found out a potentially horrific hygiene story. Would you rather eat a salad with a dead lizard in it or actually sit at a table with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis? I have a, I have a question to ask that will you clarify the situation. You want to explain the second part. Why uh, is there a problem with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis? Uh, they, don't, they don't bathe every day. That's what they're saying, that they're not big bathers. They, the, when you read the article, the way it is, is uh, essentially... And, like and by the way, they don't give their kids a daily washing. So that's something different. I will get to that as a father. Yes. Um, but for them, apparently with Kutcher and, and Kunis, they wash their like smelly areas. So crotch, armpits. But the rest of the body, quick rinse in and out. Hmm. Interesting. Now, with the children, I will say... That when we had Diego, it was recommended to us that you don't need to bathe the kids every day. Why? Uh, well, the, the skin, the soap can irritate. You know, there's important oils for the kids on mm, their skin. Yes. Right? All of that kind of good stuff. Now, 
as Diego has gotten older, he's three now, or he's going to be three next month. He does get a bath every day now. Thank God. So I don't know how long that's supposed to stretch. I think, uh, I think their kids are like, what, six and 11 or something like that. And they're still kind of doing this bath day. Six and four. It's Wyatt and, and Dimitri. And they do what? what? They do a, they do a, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. You stole oh, it. You stole it. You no. may have to change the name. Oh, Second no. boys on the way, Dimitri. Uh, yeah, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis on Dax Shepard's podcast. Uh, they talked about bathing uh, and they said uh, using soap every day rids the body of natural oils. Uh, Kunis and Kutcher agreed. Kutcher, whatever his name is. Kutcher, um, no, Kutcher, you're right. Saying they only wash their vitals right. every day. Uh, the other person, Monica Padman, on there was stunned. Said, who taught you not to wash? Kunis responded by saying, uh, I didn't have hot water growing up as a child, so I didn't shower very much anyway. You know, I'm always going to go to the jealousy factor on this. And by the way, I will answer the question that I asked at the beginning. I'll take the salad with the lizard. Well, um, you didn't let me answer my follow-up question. But good. How did the lizard die? Well, I don't know. Well, because if you're telling me like just like physical trauma, yeah, I'll eat the salad. If it's like disease, then it's been rotting there for a while. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like then that could be a problem. Yeah, Eh, I'll take my chances. I'm um I'm I have a big nose. It works well. Yeah, I'm I don't like smelliness. I don't either. It really bothers me. I um I I really it it's uh I don't know what's happened, but uh, that and here's the thing. Then then I turn to jealousy with uh kutcher and kunis because i'm starting to think now they're like we're hot we're super attractive do we need to be clean and smell nice nah people are still gonna love us we're still attractive those who look like me you gotta wash you gotta be fresh well because you already look smelly i think it's it's completely unfair but from a distance like if you're standing next to somebody else and if I were to ask a random person on the street, smells. which of those two do Damn you it. think smells? I thought that might be the case. <laughs> I think they're just going to be like, that guy. So I look musty. Even but, though it might not be. But Ashton Kutcher has a musk that's, that works. That, and that's a great example. If you were to stand next to Ashton Kutcher and you guys were at a distance and I were to ask random people on the street, which of those two do you think smells bad? They would Stop. always pick you. He might look kind of greasy. <laughs> it's Hollywood. He could man. look scaly. It's Hollywood. I think you might look smelly, but you're right. You people judge you, right? If you look unkempt, right? And I'm not a dapper dresser, backwards hat, scruff. Yes, you know. I don't know how to trim this beard. It's not supposed to look like I'm musty. Do you wear a cologne of any sort? I, do, I will every once in a while, but now I'm going to slather it on because now I want to make sure when someone's like that guy looks like he smells. As soon as they get within the perimeter, they're like, oh, "Not bad." I do a spritz every day. Do you? Yeah, I got different types. Just a quick spritz and I'm out. Body spray? No, no, no. Like, like a an col- old school axe? Like, no, like a from your like high a, school days. A solid cologne. Hmm. An eau de toilette. Okay. All right, we got to get Brian Blessing in here. He's going to tell us uh, his reaction to all the emotion around the Mark Andre Fleury trade. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, let's do a little sports betting talk and uh, more importantly, hockey reaction. A lot of emotion out there around Marc-Andre Fleury. The fallout is going to last for a while. Brian Blessings covered the sport forever. He's all over the Vegas Golden Knights scene. You can hear him on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Brian, buddy, how you doing? 
What a great day, Steve. Hi, John. What a great, if you're a hockey fan, what a great day. It was like Christmas morning. It started at 8 a.m., and it just exploded all day long. We said this would be one of the most volatile off-seasons ever, and it was uh, some stuff around the draft. But, boy, the first day of free agency, so many teams changed their makeup of their entire core. Before we get to all the flurry stuff and VGK, so give me the team that uh, you think made the biggest impact. Well, Tampa Bay, you know, I think they got a shot to win it again, and they were able to lock up Braden Point and shed some salaries. A former Golden Knight period where Belmar goes there, so they get the little pieces in that help. But I would tell you, they deserve full marks. Seattle, uh, who we'll be seeing a lot of, really active in the free agent market. They got Jaden Schwartz from St. Louis, but then they went and got Grubauer, the goaltender, uh, it pried him away from Colorado. That's a wonderful get. And I think Seattle did a really, really good job today. And they got uh, Winberg as well. So uh, don't sleep on Seattle as an expansion team. I think today their regular season point total, I think it was around 65 and a half. Even with these moves today, I could see them being, you know, in the low 70s now. So I think they improved themselves. Uh, Ryan, uh, Bet Rivers actually hung up 94 and a half. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I We had talking about projected uh, before the expansion. It was in the 65 and a half range. 94 yep. and a half for Seattle. Right, 94 and a half. It was the day the expansion draft went final. They hung up at Bet Rivers 94 and a half. Yep. Okay, I would drive John's Brink's truck there and bet the <laughs> right? under. Yeah, there was actually a big middle available for a while. Uh you know, somewhere. Well, if you'd gotten the 66 and a half, 67 and a half, obviously that's an unbelievable middle with under 94 and a half. Uh, let's talk about some of the other big names out there. What happened with uh, Dougie Hamilton? I uh, went to New Jersey. I mean, that was kind of, you know, rumored that that would be the landing spot for him. Jersey doing their best to get better. They got a long way to go, but Hamilton lands there. All right, so give me your reaction first to the the trade of Flurry and almost nothing in return. Everybody, I understand the angst, the way it went down that he found out on Twitter, McCrimmon's explanation, okay, the official trade call hadn't gone through. Come on. I mean, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I think, you know, you find a way to make sure that this ends properly for Flurry. That being said, the fans of Vegas, you love all these guys, you get attached to them. Welcome to the NHL. And in a salary cap era, this is the stuff that will happen. You couldn't go to war with $12 million of goaltenders again. It didn't work this year. It won't work next year. You need to improve goal scoring. You had to re-sign Alec Martinez. In hindsight, when everybody calms down, you know, it's the right move. Leonard's the younger goaltender. It's the right thing. That doesn't mean at some point you want to put 29 up in the rafters and throw parades for the guy because God bless him. He's the face of the franchise. He's an incredible human being. And it hurts when you lose a guy like that. But in a salary cap era, it was the right move. I'll ask again, though, the reigning Vesna winner, why wasn't there more back in return? Because other teams are in salary cap hell as well and oh by the way nobody in the nhl after what went down four years ago 
is in the business of going two inches out of their way to help Vegas. So they knew Vegas had a salary cap problem. They found a team that had the cap space. And, you know, the bottom line is, Steve, if you go back prior to last year, the reports were that they were sending Flurry out and offering someone a second-round pick to take him. Right. That's only a year ago. Brian Blessing is with us. Uh, interesting question or comment from Dave Shane over at the RJ. Uh, he was saying the the roster's loaded with the Golden Knights with talent and competitive personalities, but who keeps the group laughing during a losing streak? Who keeps them loose? This is a totally different looking uh, locker room or locker room dynamic than it was four years ago. How do you answer that one? I was talking to Dave on the phone the other day, and honestly, think about the guys, the outgoing personalities. Belmar in year one was maybe at the head of the class. Brad Hunt was a really good guy. Nate Schmidt, happy-go-lucky. Uh, a lot of those guys, everybody had so much fun in year one, but as is the case, guys got paid, and you know now it's a hockey team and it's a business, so you know, get on board with it. But you know, they'll, they'll find a way to bond. The bottom line is, from the cap perspective, they still are over the cap, and they still have to sign Nolan Patrick. So there's still work to be done. And it's a hockey 101 thing. And I always feel, I kind of do, feel bad saying it because no, through no fault of his own, if you picked any team on cap friendly and looked at the roster, you'd look and say, Riley Smith's got to go. I mean, he's got one year left at $5 million, and you don't let a player like that walk out the door for nothing. Uh, right now, it may be kind of the Nate Schmidt thing where you're, you know, kind of giving him away. If, if he did make it was on the team at the deadline, you probably could get a second rounder for him. I don't know what the return would be for Smith if you moved him now, but you don't let RFAs walk out the door of his caliber and get nothing in return. So there's still moves to be made. And Steve, these guys cannot help themselves. It may not be done. They could still be swimming around with chum in shark-infested waters looking for the big boy. Right. Uh, Jack Eichel for Riley Smith, Peyton Krebs, Nick Haig, and a first-rounder. I'm a Sabres fan. No. Why not? Oh, no. 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 Not enough. Okay. Not enough. I mean, it would have to be, uh, and you know, Golden Knights fans won't like this, but I'm sorry, if he's healthy – you know, Eichel's a, a, at least a 90-point player. He's a point-and-a-half a game player. And the if is the if. That's why he hasn't been moved yet. Well, you know, how bad is his neck? But, you know, if, if I'm Buffalo, I'm certainly – Krebs and Tuck would probably be the starter. Uh, and then they would – they clearly want picks and prospects. A Vegas first-round pick means nothing. Vegas picks in the high 20s every year. That's not helping Buffalo. Brian, we are up against it. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. It's always a pleasure, fellas. See you later. There he is, Brian Blessing, Sirius XM, Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio. He's also on Locally on K-Shop. What do you think? Should they make the run at the, the big fish? Of course. Or should they be doing this with a balanced approach? I think you can. both can be true, can it? You can still work both in. Let's go. All in. You got to win a cup, right? Um, you, you have to win a cup. Yeah, what Mark I'm asking on. is I don't know if they have to get Jack Eichel and give up that much in terms of assets. Do they build a more balanced squad or do they go for a big name? No, I'm being sort of facetious. Yes, I would say go with the balance. I think the balance and the depth helps out a lot of teams. You saw that at times this year. You needed a little bit more depth with your roster, and I think that is the way you go.